Amen. Y'all give it up for these who've led worship again this morning. And many of them got here extremely early, and so some of them are already rolling out. They don't want to hear the sermon three times. Y'all with me? But uh, so glad that you guys are here. Listen, if you're a guest of ours, this is the second message in the series entitled Inspire the Amazing Effect of Motivation. Now, last Sunday, as soon as I finished preaching, I went out into the foyer and ran into uh, one of my neighbors named Rod. I don't know if Rod's in this service or not, but Rod began to share with me something that came to his mind, an image that he has seen before whenever I was preaching about how Paul was telling Timothy to never give up his gift. And so I searched the internet for that image and finally found it, texted it to him, and got it for you to take a look at this morning. This is what he had in mind while I was preaching, which makes no sense, right? But anyway, so uh, you see that frog, man, he ain't giving up. And then there was another image I found as I was just messing with that, and I found this one here. Check out my man, the mouse. He ain't giving up, right? And then I'll tell you, I got so fired up about this idea of not giving up that I went out this past week and got a tattoo, but there was a grammatical error on my tattoo, so I'll show that to you. Never don't give up. Y'all with me? I got that in Cleveland. But anyway, so um, pretty wild. You and I, without a doubt, just flat out need to be encouraged in our walks with Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about it. We need to be lifted up. We need to be spurred on and encouraged. And one of the reasons that we come together is so that we can actually motivate one another to love and good deeds. Matter of fact, I think it was Zig Ziglar who once said, some people think motivation doesn't last. And he quipped, well, neither does a bath. That's why we recommend it daily, right? So the, every single day, we need to be encouraged. We saw last time we were together that Paul the Apostle was encouraging young Timothy, who was his protege in the ministry. And he encouraged to make sure to not allow haters to trip him up. You remember there were those who were looking down upon Timothy because of his young age. But Paul says, don't let them look down on you because of your youthfulness. But you set an example in your speech, your life, your love, your faith, and your conduct. And then he went so far as to say, make sure, Timothy, you never give up your gift. And so he really did. He encouraged him in that particular area as well. And so we saw that last week, and we left with a double dog dare for everybody to make sure that you fulfilled it this week. Uh, I challenged you basically to make sure that you encourage somebody in church before you leave. But then also I challenged you to write a letter this past week to somebody to lift them up and to encourage them of how they've made an influence and impact in your life. And I hope that you had the opportunity to do that. I know that I did on many occasions. The Lord just continued to put people on my mind. So I was, I feel like I was writing all week, but man, I just wanted to make sure that I was encouraging other individuals. So this morning, we're really just going to look at the second uh, message in this series and see how Paul continues to motivate and encourage Timothy. And we're going to ask a key question of our text this morning. How can you and I inspire one another? Look at me eyeball to eyeball before we read the text. Here's what I want you to know. When you and I gather together as a church body, we're not only called to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, a, uh, that is a calling. So we come in here and we worship Christ. We lift him up to his glory, his honor. So that's, that's why we're here. We're crowning him king of kings. But also, whenever we gather together, do you know it is incumbent upon you and I that we encourage one another in the faith? The Bible says that we gather together for the sake of stirring one another up to love and to good deeds. So that's why we come. So whenever we're talking about this idea of encouraging people, this is something my prayer is that you will experience even in the context of this body. My heartbeat is that you would come to church and you would leave overwhelmingly encouraged to live for Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, 
I want you to open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is the second letter that Timothy is writing uh, to his young protege, Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, if you'll stand with me in honor of God's word this morning, beginning in verse 3. You've got it there in front of you, say yes. And uh, the Bible says, and I love this, he says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. As I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh this gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. Verse 8, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Let's bow together. Father, we are grateful for this hour, this opportunity for us to not only lift up your son, Jesus Christ, but also encourage one another through the word and by the Holy Spirit. And so, God, I pray this morning that you would speak clearly to your people. I pray, Father, that those who are outside of the faith who do not know you yet, that you would use this hour to draw them to yourself. And then I also pray for those who are followers, that they would increase and excel still more in their encouragement in the context of this body of believers. And we'll give you glory for how you work this morning. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said... Amen. So you can be seated. So how can we inspire one another to love and good deeds? Three major ways that we see this morning that Paul the Apostle actually inspires his young protege, Timothy. The very first thing that I want you to see is that Paul was basically saying, I am asking that God would use you. I'm asking for God to use you. And this is a way that we can inspire one another. And we come alongside people and let them know we're praying that God would use them. Look in verse 3 and 4 again in your Bible, chapter 1. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. Now, Paul the Apostle has a unique ministry, right? He has at least four major missionary journeys. And just about every single one of them, he found himself thrown into jail for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he not only was thrown into prison for preaching, but he was also thrown into prison because he would not conform to secular culture. And so individuals would take him off and haul him to jail. On one occasion, he was actually on house arrest. And so you can imagine he is inside a home, and yet he cannot leave that house. He is arrested. But here in 2 Timothy, Paul the Apostle is not in house arrest. He's been arrested by the Emperor Nero, and he has actually been thrown into the bottom of a dark dungeon cell in Rome. And while he's there, he's not experiencing any sort of comfort whatsoever. He's actually chained up as a common criminal, and he's only given the opportunity now to actually take a pen and a sheet of paper and write a letter over to Timothy. Now, the Bible teaches us that Paul the Apostle, before he wrote 2 Timothy, was on the verge of death. So this could very well be the very last things that he had ever written. And so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul wants to pen a letter to his young protege, Timothy. And you can imagine there, as Paul the Apostle is writing that particular le letter in that cold, dark dungeon, that tears began to fill his eyes. 
And his tears were filling his eyes. The ink was filling the paper. And he was writing to Timothy, letting him know that he was praying that God would use him. And in the context of writing that letter, he was actually recalling the time frame in his life when he saw Timothy off to go and pastor the church at Ephesus. And so Paul, you remember, actually left Timothy in Ephesus to become the pastor of that church. But whenever that particular separation occurred, it actually broke the heart of Paul. He cried about it. Not only this, but Timothy was also heartbroken. These two, as Philippians says, were individuals of kindred spirit, and now they're being separated. Now Paul, on the verge of death, perhaps never going to have the opportunity to see Timothy again, he lets him know, I'm praying for you constantly, night and day. I'm asking that God would use you. And I'll tell you, right, being in ministry, uh, the greatest encouragements that I've received that I can remember are the time frames when individuals let me know that they're praying that God will use me. I remember the first uh, uh, church that I ever pastored as the lead pastor while I was there. There were a group of men who would meet me on Sunday mornings prior to the actual service. And their whole intent was just simply to pray for me on that Sunday morning. And it was an awesome experience. Sometimes we would sit in a circle in my office. Sometimes they would put me in a chair and they would gather around me and lay hands on me. But here's what they were praying. They were saying, God, please use our pastor. They were praying God would use me. And there's something about that kind of prayer and the knowledge of that prayer that actually puts wind in my sails. It encouraged the fire out of me. But I'll tell you, since I have moved here to pastor, I have been overwhelmed by individuals who are praying. And man, so encouraged by people. Matter of fact, just about every single Sunday morning, Joe McGugan, before the 8 o'clock service, meets me out in the foyer and we shove off into one of the community group rooms. And it's there in that room that he and I bow our head. And uh, listen, man, he is praying that God would use me every single Sunday morning. He's not only praying for me, but he's praying for all of those who will be teaching in community groups this morning that God would use them. He's a strong source of encouragement in my life. So I, I really love those particular times. Yeah, I remember preaching revival service, and uh, the Concord Choir came, and they actually helped lead worship that particular evening in that revival service. And before it started, Mary Beth Swan actually came up to me and said, just want you to know, Pastor, that you are covered in prayer for tonight's message. Man, that, that just encourages me again. And I can't tell you how many emails I get from Dore and Judy May uh, throughout the years since I have been here. They are prayer warriors, and they're just letting me know, praying that God would use you, praying even for your family that God will continue to use them. I mean, that's the source of encouragement. You know what I'm talking about. If you're in ministry and somebody comes up beside you and says, I just want you to know I'm praying that God would use you. Man, that ought to really light your fire. That should encourage you. That should inspire you knowing that an individual is lifting you up. If you think about Paul the Apostle, as he is seeking to inspire and encourage young Timothy, it is awesome to consider his prayer life. Listen, Paul the Apostle knew Timothy like no one else. Paul the Apostle knew the weaknesses of Timothy. He also knew the strengths of Timothy. And so whenever Paul would get down in that cold, dark dungeon cell with one arm chained possibly to a Roman guard, he would be there on his knees praying specifically with great concern and authenticity for his young protege, Timothy. And listen, you and I, we just need to encourage each other by letting one another know we're praying that God would use each other. And it's pretty awesome, right? Could you imagine if you're a community group leader, some of you taught the last hour, 
Could you imagine what it would have been like if someone in your class would have come up to you and just simply said, hey, man, just want you to know I'm praying God would use you this morning. That's going to encourage you. I think about those who are serving in vacation Bible school this week, right? I mean, we got so many volunteers, they're, they're running out our ears, right? I'm so excited about their faithfulness just to serve and so excited about how God's going to use them. But here's what I know. I'm praying that God would use them. I'm praying that God would use their gifts as they serve next week. And they're going to need encouragement all week long. Here's what I've learned about Vacation Bible School. I love it, all right? Sunday night, everybody's going to be fired up. You know what that means? Tonight, they're going to come in here, I mean, guns a-blazing. Y'all with me? All right, fired up about Vacation Bible School. Monday, they're going to be fiery. Tuesday, they'll be kind of excited. Wednesday, they'll be thinking, why did I volunteer to do this? Thursday, they'll be like, when's this thing over? You know what I'm saying? And so they just need to be encouraged. And so, man, even if you are growing weary in your walk with the Lord, listen, make sure you come alongside those that you see who are growing weary and you let them know you're praying for them. You guys at Woodlands Camp, you guys at Strong Rock Camp, you're going to be serving this entire summer. And when it starts, you're fired up. But I promise you, by the end of the summer, you're going to think, one more week and this is over. And when you find somebody in your group who is discouraged, you need to let them know that you're praying for them. Now, here's the deal, all right? Listen closely. Don't tell somebody you're praying for them if you ain't praying. <laughs> Y'all got down with that one, didn't you? Because I've heard it before, right? The number one lie told in church is this. I'll be praying for you. Right? How many times? Now, here's the deal. If somebody invites you to pray for them, pray for them right there on the spot. Let me lift them up, right? Just go ahead and pray. And then if you, if you are going to let somebody know that you're praying for them, make sure you pray for them beforehand and say, I'm praying for you and have been that God would use you. That's the challenge. And here's the deal, all right? Paul, I want you to listen. Paul let Timothy know he was praying for him. It is okay if you let somebody know that you're praying for him. Every once in a while, I'll run into somebody who's like super spiritual, and they're like, we just don't tell anybody if we're praying for him. Tell them. Why wouldn't you just go ahead and let them know? It encouraged them. Paul did it. <laughs> Pretty awesome, right? I'll let you know Jesus did it too, but that's another sermon. All right, so that's the first thing. We want to inspire people. Let them know that we're praying that God would use them. Here's the second reality, and that is keep the fire going. Look at verse 6. Keep the fire going. I love this. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, that sounds overwhelmingly familiar to what we looked at last week when we talked about how Timothy had a prophecy spoken over his life that he would be a pastor and a leader. And so Timothy now is having his mind taken right back to that situation where Paul is letting him be reminded that he prayed for him, that he has a spiritual gift, so kindle it afresh. And that word to kindle afresh, it means uh, literally to revive. It means to stoke the fire, to stir up into activity. That's what Paul's saying. Now you think about that, right? The first letter, he wanted to make sure that Timothy didn't give up his gift. So he said, do not give up. Keep on serving. The second letter now, he's saying to Timothy, kindle it afresh. Revive it. So you can see here, Timothy, my, my man, he's, he's struggling in ministry. The church at Ephesus is not an easy one, right? And not only is the culture difficult outside of the church, but the culture inside of the church is difficult as well. And he's facing an uphill battle, and there are times when he is tempted just to throw in the towel. And yet, God uses Paul the apostle to say, no, 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 kindle it afresh. Turn up the fire on your gift. And I love that picture. I remember um, when I was just a little kid, right, being at... 
living it off of Ben Hill Street in Marietta. And for the first time that I recall, there was actually a huge storm that came through. And that storm came in and knocked out all the electricity in our house. So it was pitch dark. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And then we sat in the living room together, waiting, hopefully, for the electricity to come back on, but it did not. And so what ended up happening is my mom kind of left, and then she came back into the living room with something I didn't even realize that we had. It's one of these bad boys. They're called kerosene lanterns. You ever seen one of these before? They have kerosene inside of them, hence their name, kerosene lanterns. And so she took this, and I found out for the first time there's this rope inside of this thing, and when you light this bad boy up, I mean, it burns, baby. It burns. And uh, I borrowed this, by the way. Somebody gave me this. This isn't mine. So don't come and talk to me about this print on this little thing, all right? But if you think about it, it's what my mom did. Yeah, she didn't do that. Y'all still with me? Say yes. Just pretend it's burning, all right? That's a sign from the Lord. He don't want me to start a fire here, all right? <laughs> so anyway, she turned it, and whenever she, she lights it up, you actually turn this little wick up, and the, the light grows brighter and brighter. It was amazing, man. What happened is she put this on that little square coffee table in our living room, and it immediately lit up the entire house. Now, here's what Paul's saying to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, at the moment we prayed for you, God gave you a spiritual gift. You've got the gift. You've got the kerosene lantern. You need to turn the fire up. You need to stoke it back. And as I think about this, right, I think about Paul writing in Romans chapter 12. And he gives really just this little short list of spiritual gifts. But just think about it like this. Paul says, and I want you to picture it like this. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, God, by his grace, gave you a spiritual gift. Can I say it to you like this? He gave you a lantern. And it's a kerosene lantern. And, you have, and, and it may be that God has gifted you with the gift of prophecy, the ability to speak forth the truth of God's word, right? If you've got that gift, turn it up. Let it burn. You may have the gift of leadership, as Paul mentions in Romans 12. Turn it up. If that's what God's gifted you to do, do it. And then you may have the gift of teaching or the gift of serving or the gift of giving. If you have that lantern, don't walk around with that thing not burning. Turn up the fire. Kindle afresh God's gift that he placed in you, listen, for the body. And that's the amazing thing, right? So I, I start picturing this in my brain. Could you imagine if every single person in our church said, I'm fixing to kindle my gift afresh. I'm going to turn it up. What, what kind of church would this place be, man? Holy cow. You, you think about everybody burning their kerosene lanterns, and, and all of us joining together, and through this, we are glorifying God, lifting up his son Jesus. And the Bible says that when we lift up Jesus, he draws people to himself. So if we're lifting this up to the glory of God, what a phenomenal picture. Jesus says it like this. He goes, hey, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your Father who is in heaven. Think about that. You burn your lamp, I burn my lamp, and together we set off a greater light in this community so that others might come to know the glory of our awesome God. That's our challenge. That's what we're called to do. You know, it was Mark Twain who once uh, made the statement, which I, I love this statement. He says, uh, there are two important days in your life. The first is the day that you're born. And then the second is the day you find out why you were born. Don't you think about that. The day you were born and the day you find out why. Here's the deal. God created you for his glory. God created you to know him personally. That's why you were born. 
God wants a relationship with you. And whenever you come into faith, God now gives you, that is, he gives you a purpose for living. And you glorify God by exercising your gift. So if you're sitting out there and you've got a basket over your light, let it out. Serve in the context of the body and be shocked at how God uses you to influence the lives of other people. All right, so Paul, he's inspiring. Y'all with me say yes? He just simply says it. I'm praying God would use you. And then he says to him, keep the fire going. And then here's the third reality that I want you to see this morning. Uh, Paul is saying to Timothy, God has wired you to be a difference maker. God has actually wired you to be a difference maker. Now think about that. Look at verse 7, if you will. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and of discipline. Now everybody look at me eyeball to eyeball, right? So whenever I, I study in my New Testament, I always do word studies, right? And uh, so I go through and I figure out what all the words are in their Greek language and all the different meanings and all the different contexts in which the words are used. Well, it's pretty awesome right here, right? God did not give you a spirit of timidity. That word timidity in the Greek New Testament is the word delia. Delia. Now think about that, all right? I just kind of was in my office for a little while just saying that over and over again. Delia. Delia. You know what I found out about delia? That's kind of a girly word, y'all with me? Kind of a dainty. No offense to girls, y'all with me? But it's just kind of sissy, I ain't gonna lie. Delila, Delia. Just start saying that through the halls, you know what I'm saying? To James and all the other guys. Delia. <laughs> I really don't even know what I'm talking about right now. But anyway, so <laughs> Delia, here, here's what it literally means. It means a spirit of a coward. Y'all watched Wizard of Oz, didn't you? Y'all remember my man, the lion? What did he lack? Yeah, courage, right? He, was saying, he, he liked it the whole time. He followed the yellow bit road. He wanted courage. He had a spirit of cowardice. Here's what Paul's saying to Timothy. Timothy, listen, come here. It's almost like, you know, if he could just pull him in real close. Timothy, I know you're nervous about being a leader. Timothy, I know some people are looking down upon you, and it causes you fear and anxiety. But here's the deal. God did not give you the spirit, can I say it like this, of a sissy. Y'all ain't out there. Y'all ain't heard preaching like that before, have you? You're like, my word. Now, now here's, it reminded me too, right? John the Baptist, y'all remember him, right? Jesus is talking about John Baptist on one occasion. And uh, Jesus is talking to the crowds. Here's what he said to all the crowds. He said, what y'all go out in the wilderness to see? You, you didn't go out there to see a man dressed in soft clothing, did you? You know what that literally means? You didn't go out to see an effeminate man, did you? He say, he's saying, you didn't go out there into the wilderness to see a sissy. You went out there to see a strong man of God. That's why you went. And Paul's saying, God didn't give you that spirit of Delia. God gave you a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. That's awesome. Now, I want you to listen to this, all right? I'm just going to kind of real quickly talk to you about these three words, right? The word power, it speaks of a supernatural power within it speaks of having influence and authority given to you by the Lord. And I love this picture, right? Uh, you weren't given a spirit of a coward. You were given a spirit of power, one of influence, one of leadership. God gave you that. So whenever fear creeps up in your life, you know that's not from the Lord. He gave you power. Uh, matter of fact, I will tell you to you like this. You and I don't even have the strength 
necessary to exercise our gifts. Are y'all listening? Say yes. We'll drop the plow on this idea for just a moment, all right? But listen, God not only gives you the gifts, God also, by his grace, gives us the strength necessary to exercise the gift. That that, That is why the gift glorifies God, and even the grace necessary to accomplish the gift is glorifying God. So God's giving you the power to exercise your gift. Now, that, that second word is love, right? That's agape love. It's unconditional love. It's the idea here that Paul the apostle is saying to Timothy, look, Timothy, I know there are many people who are looking down upon you, those who are questioning your leadership, but check it out. I want you to know God's not giving you a spirit of fear. God's giving that spirit of power so you stand strong. God's also giving you a spirit of love so you can unconditionally love even those who are unlovable. Now, y'all still with me saying, yeah? So God gives you the gift. Then he gives you, by his grace, the power to exercise the gift. And then, by his grace, he gives you the love poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit so that you can unconditionally exercise the gift to everybody, regardless of how you're being treated. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It is to me. What was the third one I forgot? Sound mind. Discipline, some of your texts say. It's the idea here that God has given him a spirit of discipline to control himself. And I love this, right? Because you've got to imagine my man Timothy's facing all of these difficulties. He could have blown up in anger. He could have gone absolutely nuts on individuals. But God did not give him that kind of spirit. He gave him a spirit of discipline. It's a great truth. So, so when, I'm, when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking about an Old Testament text as well, all right? Y'all remember Moses, that guy, right? So Moses is dead. And then he's going to actually have Joshua following his footsteps. And God comes to Joshua and lets Joshua know that's what he's going to have. You're about to stand up and be the leader of the Israelite people. And you can imagine, man, the anxiety and the fear that must have overwhelmed Joshua as he's thinking through what God's calling him to do. And what's amazing, though, is when you read Joshua chapter 1, You see it three times. In verse 6, here's what God says to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. In verse 7, here's what God says to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. In verse 9, here's what God says to Joshua. Did I not command you? Be strong and courageous. I think God's trying to make a point. Be strong and courageous. Same idea here. God did not call Joshua to do something that he would not supply the ability to accomplish that which he's been called to do. God's not given him a spirit of timidity. God's not given Timothy a spirit of timidity. And look at the preacher. There are times you know God's calling you to serve. You know you're gifted. You've maybe even taken an inventory to figure out what your gift is. But you're still nervous about it. You're still fearful about it. You're still sitting on the sidelines saying, I can't get involved yet. Uh, my past is this. And this is going on. And I, I've, got, I've got so much happening in my life right now. I just, I'm, just, I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I'm scared. What will people think? God did not give you that spirit. So if that fear is paralyzing you from serving, know this, that ain't the Lord. God gave you power. He wired you. You think about that, right? You know, you, sometimes you got those three-prong plugs that go into the wall. Y'all with me on them three-prong plugs? Am I saying that right? There's three, are they prongs? God bless you. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy. I'm preaching truth up here. <laughs> there's, three, there's three of them, right? So one of them is, 
power. One of them is love, and one of them is a sound mind. And when you plug that sucker in by just trusting the Lord, you'd be shocked what God will cause to emanate from your life as light. All of us, every one of us. Pretty cool, isn't it? All right, I'm trying to decide what I want to close with. Y'all still with me say yes? I'm looking at my time. I understand you all get hungry at 12. And, uh, here's what we've got this morning, all right? I've got some, some Frisbees today that I'm pretty, pretty excited about. We, we ordered these. Fran actually designed these for us to help us out. But they say, inspire on the Frisbee. Y'all out there say yes? And uh, it says under the amazing effect of motivation. Now, here's the deal. There's actually directions on it because I know we forget. But, but here's what it says. Inspire someone by giving them a word of encouragement and then fly them to Frisbee while they're looking. All right. I didn't put that, but I, I thought we should add that. And then check this out. Keep the inspiration going and fly it to someone else. So the idea here is that we keep these Frisbees going through our fellowship. Now, you're probably wondering, Levi, just let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. <laughs> Sorry. That's a Disney World song. I apologize, huh? But you're wondering, why, why don't you? I tried in the first service, and I almost broke somebody's nose. Are y'all listening? So I have changed my mind now. I'm just going to hand these out today. But here's what I want you to do this morning. Act, are y'all saying all because I'm not throwing them? All right, heads up, people. Oh. All God's people said, all right, that, now I'm handing them out. I apologize. We, I've never, if my mama saw me do that, she'd beat me down. Y'all listening? She would. So what I want you guys to do is actually take the Frisbee, and you will uh, hand that to somebody, and you'll encourage them. Now, I've got a weird brain sometimes, and so I don't know what y'all are laughing at, but I, I've got, sometimes in my mind, I think about what it would be like, right? What would it be like this week in Vacation Bible School? If I continue to look all over the place and just saw these Frisbees everywhere, people giving them to other people, just encouraging those individuals. And then I thought, what would it be like if next Sunday they were still around? What if the whole month of June during this particular message series, I still see these Frisbees everywhere? Listen, when we come together as a church, we're not only here, first and foremost, to lift up the Son of God, Jesus Christ, but the Bible says we gather together to spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's why the Hebrew author said, don't skip church. Don't skip church. You come to and encourage one another. Stir each other up. And those are ways that we can do it. Amen. I'm praying God would use you. What was the second one? Talk to me. Keep the fire going. What was the third one? Talk to me. Say what now? Be a difference maker. Y'all are on top of it. Now, that's how you encourage people. So go do it. Amen. Now, before I close, don't put your stuff up, I ain't done. Eyeballs right here real quick, all right? I saw some of y'all. I saw you. I'm just kidding. She's a visitor too, right? But anyway, so look at me. Here's the deal. Uh, everything that I've preached this morning cannot be applied to a person who doesn't know Jesus. You might be able to go out there and encourage some people, but you can't do it the way God wants you to do it. The Bible teaches God created you to know him. But what separates you and I from God is our sin. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death. Now listen, if we die in our sin, the Bible says we're going to go to hell. That is not good news. But here's the awesome news. The Bible says in the New Testament, and I want you to listen to this verse. He is not willing that any should perish. I'm just crazy enough to think that means any. He's not willing to let any perish, 
but that all would come to everlasting life. That's his desire. He doesn't desire for you to perish. You know what? He sent Jesus, his perfect son, to be a sacrifice on the cross for you. Jesus went to the cross, and there on the cross, he bore the punishment of your sin and my sin in his body. Jesus is your substitute, died in your place. He was buried and resurrected. Now, here's my encouragement to you. I want to encourage you this morning to turn from your sin and place your trust in Jesus. And at the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, you'll finally figure out why you're here on the earth. And God will spiritually gift you, and you can begin to exercise that gift in the context of a fellowship of believers. That's it. So if you've not made that decision, I'm going to encourage you to do so. I wish you'd be like my buddy uh, Wednesday night. We went to his house. He's, he, you know, I've gotten to know him over the past few weeks. And so I just said, hey, man, I'm coming to your house Wednesday. i got somebody coming with me. And um, I guess it was about 45 minutes beforehand. I've never been to his house, so I texted him again. I said, are you nervous yet? <laughs> He's like, why should I be nervous? I said, because the preacher's coming. You know what I'm saying? I'll be so then we just sit down and begin to share with him how I, just what I share with you, how I need to come to faith in Jesus. I said, man, what would keep you from doing that right now? Here's his response, nothing. I said, well, are you ready? He said, yeah. And right there, he became a follower of Christ. And now, now, last service, you didn't get to see him, but last service, he came forward. His parents are here. I'm so fired up about it, I can't stand it. Next Sunday, he's going to be baptized. Man, some of you, you still need to make that decision. So I'm trying to encourage you to do it. That's why we have an invitation. So a moment, we'll stand to our feet. If God's calling you to salvation, you come forward. I'll be here in the front, others as well. God may be calling you to join this church body. You're like, this is where I want to plug in and get uh, motivated to serve. Then, man, you come as well this morning, all right? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for our time together today and pray that you would continue to strengthen our walk with you. And then, God, I pray that we would see these Frisbees going all over the place as we seek to strengthen one another in the faith.